Welcome to The Unapologetic Woman. I'm your host, Pyle Berry. With over a decade of a blended experience in clinical psychology and global leadership development, I've dedicated my career and life purpose to empower women to believe I deserve a seat at the table and it's about damn time. But how do you create synergy between who you are and how you lead? On this podcast, we address that inner critic holding you back, release narratives that no longer serve you, and explore how to use your leadership platform to make an impact around diversity, equity, and inclusion. Simply put, I cut out the bullshit. I'm here to share inspiration, practical tips, and have challenging conversations with other badass individuals who are shifting the narrative for all women. So let's stop apologizing for who we are and rise together as the unapologetic woman. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of The Unapologetic Woman. I cannot wait for you to hear what Whitney has to say today. She is an incredible nutritional therapy practitioner, and she runs an online practice that supports women in reversing autoimmune disease through diet and lifestyle changes. And now, you know, a lot of times when I bring on guests on to this podcast, of course, it's always with you in mind, but I will say very selfishly, this is also with me in mind. And as I've been very transparent, you know, I have an autoimmune illness. I've hypothyroid. I was recently diagnosed with diabetes and then reversed it. And what we're going to talk about today is exactly the reason I reversed it is the stuff that Whitney talks about all the time. So Whitney, I am so excited to have you here. Thank you for joining me today. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I'm really happy to be here and just to chat about these things that we're both passionate about. Absolutely. So, you know, I always like to first dive into really understanding what took you into this path. I know you have had your own set of autoimmune chronic health issues. And I really genuinely believe that anyone who has any sort of experience with that has a heightened level of empathy. Mm. And I want to know when did you first get diagnosed? How was that for you? Yeah. So I'm sure you can relate to this, but my healing journey is ongoing and it's been long and it's life work, right? And because once you have a chronic illness, you can reverse the symptoms, but your body will always, you know, knows how to attack itself. So I was diagnosed back in 2015 because I had something called alopecia areata, which is where your hair falls out in patches. That was kind of my first ding, ding, ding. There's something oh going goodness. on here. Yeah. Right? I was actually thinking about this the other day and I'm like, what autoimmune symptoms? do I think are the worst, right? That people experience, (laughs) but I think hair loss for us, especially those of us who grew up and we all did in a society that makes us feel like as women, our looks are the most important component of our being, right? And that we're constantly trying to decondition ourselves around. But anyway, having that hair loss was a big red flag that, wow, something's been going on. And leading up to that, you know, I was experiencing fatigue and period pain and migraines. But when my hair started falling out, that was kind of for me, whoa, something's wrong with me and I need to get help. And it took a long time to get the help that I needed. I was passed around in the medical system for Uh a long time, as I'm sure you can relate. Those of us who experience 
symptoms, right? These small symptoms that persist over time are frequently overlooked by medical practitioners. And I think especially as women, when we're talking in the medical, when we're in the medical system, right? right? Because of the patriarchy and misogyny, right? People don't take us seriously when we say that something's going on. And so it, it can take people up to six years to get a diagnosis for autoimmune disease. That's about the average amount of time. Wow. And that's also, you know, a lot of times the diagnoses or whatever, they dismiss your symptoms because it's not within the textbook of what they learned. And so because it's not within the textbook, well, there's no way that you're experiencing this. And it's like, you can be screaming on the top of your lungs and they're still like, well, your blood panel came back this. So I don't know what you're talking about. And I'm like, I am so sick and tired of being a blood panel. Like Mm -hmm. I understand the importance of that. Mm -hmm. Absolutely get it but there's so much more. So once you started to have the inclination, you started, okay, I'm going to get this help. Like, what was that like for you as a woman who, like you mentioned, right? Like a lot of the focus is on the superficiality of a woman and you are now losing your hair. You're now experiencing dismissal from medical professionals. And what was that narrative for you at that moment? Yeah. I mean, I wondered if I was going crazy, if I was making everything up, right? Obviously I had this hair loss symptom that was very clear. I I feel lucky almost that I had something so obvious wrong with me, but I did. There were moments where I thought I was crazy. People that I loved were gaslighting me and saying like, oh, you're probably just tired or it's no big deal. But I trusted my intuition. I said, I'm not going to give up on myself. And so, you know, after seeing tons of doctors. I got referred to the best endocrinologist in Denver. Meanwhile, I had been doing a lot of research because everyone was like, there's nothing wrong with you. And I'm thinking, no, this is clearly an autoimmune disease because I researched hair loss in this capacity. and, And that's what came up. So I started researching, how do you heal autoimmune disease holistically? Because no one would tell me what to do. And I found something called the autoimmune paleo diet. And I'm reading all of these testimonials of people saying, wow, this worked really well for me. Wow, this worked really well for me. So I get to this endocrinologist after doing this research. She basically tells me, hey, you have Hashimoto's. Your labs aren't that bad though. So we'll just wait for them to get worse. And then we'll start treating you. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Like, why is that the way the system works? It's so broken. so very much about let's band-aid it we don't have anything to prevent it. And so we're going to wait until you're in a position where we can give you medical pills, where we can give you anything that is just, you know, a minimizing symptom, but not curing. And I think what Eastern medicine is all about is like, how do we prevent this from even getting worse? How do we prevent that? And something I, you know, I feel really passionate about is just really recognizing that it's like Western medicine has been considered the end all be all like this is the Holy grail. And if Western medicine has not proven it and it hasn't, you know, testified it, then that means that it must be a myth or just fluff. And instead of looking at these things have existed for thousands of years, right? Like if we think about meditation, for example, meditation has been around for thousands of years, but only until the last, like what, 30 years, not even that when the science community decided to do like, Oh, let's do testings around this. Let's, let's do research around like, Oh, meditation does work. Okay. Check. It's good. So how do you, you know, when you're navigating this and you started looking into holistic and you started balancing it, because I do believe that you need both, you know, I'm not going to stop taking my thyroid pills just 
because I believe in holistic stuff, but I'm going to continue doing the holistic stuff so that my thyroid pills and the medication I take starts to minimize and start going down. So how did you build a community for yourself at first, you know, that allowed you to be seen for yourself first, because I think that's the hardest part before you can have anyone see you, you've got to see yourself. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was a struggle, right? I fell into a very deep depression. I felt isolated. I felt lonely because I did end up changing my diet despite what the endocrinologist told me would work. And that adds another layer of loneliness when everyone around you, you know, I'm in my mid twenties is can go drink and go party and eat whatever they want. Right. So that actually was kind of the point, right? I I went to a functional nurse practitioner. She supported me and believed in the things that I had been reading about, right. Diagnosed me with a slew of, of stuff, but still I was lonely. I mean, I cried when she said, I believe you, right? This is happening to you. And I just sat there and I wept. And and that's when I knew I need more than what I have in my life right now, because I, I just need more people in my life who believe me. And so that's when I started Rooted in Healing, which is my business today. I didn't expect when I created an Instagram this one day to document what I was eating during a healing protocol that it would turn into what it is now. But I, yeah, so I created Rooted in Healing. I just shared my story. If, if you go back to the very beginning posts, I'm just being honest about how much it sucks to have a chronic illness yeah. and sharing my hope within healing. And I think there was a huge need for that at the time, because oftentimes, you know, people can be kind of hush hush about their struggles. And I think that folks in the autoimmune community just needed someone to say me too, right? I'm experiencing this. That's where it started. And that's how I built my community around that loneliness. That's really powerful. I was talking to someone else who also has chronic illness. And we're talking about how in America, there's about a hundred and 30 million people who have chronic health issues Mm -hmm. and that feeling of loneliness is existing in every single one person of that. Mm -hmm. And that's insane to think about that. We are that many people yet. We feel so alone because it's like, you can't talk about it. And I was telling you earlier before we started the podcast that even with being in the workforce, one thing I can share Mm -hmm. is I remember when I was working in corporate and this is one of the reasons I left corporate. And I think actually, and you know, share if you know that a lot of individuals who have chronic health issues actually end up exiting corporate because there just isn't a support system around it for them. And I remember when I told my supervisor, my manager, that, you know, I have hypothyroid. And so there are days where I really feel lethargic or I have brain fog and it's a little bit harder for me to move. And her response was, well, you're in your late thirties. So, you know, that's also just metabolism going, I mean, I'm sure it's part of that, but you know, it's really just you in your late thirties. And so that's just what it is. Mm-hmm. And it was just continuous dismissal, especially when it comes from another woman, it's a little bit feels, you feel it a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And, you know, after that moment, it was just like light in me that said, you're not going to be supported here around health issues or any concerns because it's not something relatable, then it doesn't belong here. And if it's going to affect your productivity, then, you know, you have to step it up even harder. And that was the other piece is that when you have a chronic health issue, your number one enemy is stress. Our culture in America is a very workaholic culture. And so when you're working so many hours, you're working and you equate that to productivity, it inflames your symptoms more. How did you balance that? What would you say to someone who is working in the workplace that has a high stress level job, but has chronic health issues? What's the first thing that they can do? Yeah, that's such a good 
question. And I don't know. I mean, every situation will obviously be different because not everyone's going to have a boss that's super dismissive of them. But yeah, I mean, our lives are based on performance in a capitalist society. It's like, how much can you produce? How much can you produce? And so I think each situation will be different based on finances, based on, you know, yeah, social, economic, those sort of things. Are you the primary, you know, breadwinner for your family? So really zooming out a little bit and saying, hey, where in my life can I pull away? And so for the breadwinner in their family, they can't leave work necessarily, right? But perhaps there will be some other components of their life that they could make things a little bit easier. And then for the people who are like, there's no way for me to leave this stressful situation, then it all comes back to that mindfulness component and that meditation, right? Because if we can't necessarily control our situation, then we have to control the way that we respond to it. Get out of that fight or flight, move into a parasympathetic state, and just really try to nourish ourselves in that way. When you talk about, you know, starting to take those steps, one of the hardest things also though, can be for someone to accept or just that they need to take those steps because like you mentioned, right? Like in your twenties, you know, or whatever stage of life you are, if you are single or whatever, your friend circle is like, and if drinking is a big part of it or going out being social and these restaurants and your foodie, it can be really hard to accept that you can still be social, but you have to start saying no, you have to start setting healthy boundaries. Mm -hmm. And that is one of the hardest pieces where I see people who have chronic health issues and they'll be like, well, I'm taking my medicine. So I'm good. And sure, that's one way to operate. However, taking your medicine doesn't actually reduce symptoms or it doesn't stop from that inflammation from happening if you're continuing to engage in that. So what was that like for you to start setting those boundaries and actually saying, no, I'm not going to have that drink. No, I'm not going to do that, but I still want to hang out. How did your friends start to get on board with you? Yeah, that's a good question. So I really pulled away from my friends quite a bit. I stopped seeing people and not to say that everybody needs to do that, but for me, I needed again to take space and reevaluate like, okay, are these relationships meaningful? Are they bringing me joy? And I had some friends who just were like, she doesn't want to be friends with me anymore and thought that I was being selfish. You know, other friends who couldn't come to terms with it and those people aren't in my life anymore. My husband had such a hard time with this transition because when we met, you know, I was a party girl. I was a vegan. I love to go out and drink and stay up all night and I didn't need any sleep. And I love to go on bike rides forever, you know, like 20 miles in a day. And I, because of my autoimmune disease for anybody who's listening, you know, those things are inflammatory and inflammation is what really leads to an autoimmune disease. And so my husband and I had to go to therapy. There was just no way that we were going to get through this without it. And I had to figure out how do I communicate this? And he had to figure out, okay, how do I communicate with her without making her feel dismissed and gaslit? Right. Because he's a Mm. fixer. And every time that he tried to fix, I felt dismissed. Right. And so therapy really helped us understand that a little bit better. But my tip for folks who are struggling navigating social situations are to, you know, obviously pull back, see, okay, which of these relationships in my life are really nourishing, which of them are a little bit draining. And then saying, okay, I want to still focus on those nourishing relationships, but they have to look different now because I'm different now. So saying if you're on the autoimmune protocol or a similar thing where you're not drinking, you can invite somebody over for tea or say, hey, maybe they say, 
okay, let's go out to eat. And you can say, what if I cook us something at home, right? Let's watch a movie and, and like snuggle and, you know, let's cozy up. Those are sort of the things that I would recommend to folks who are still wanting to socialize. And then also like find a Facebook group for autoimmune disease or come to me rooted in healing on Instagram. There are a lot of us out there that have autoimmune disease. And so perhaps you can kind of get that understanding in these online communities. And then, you know, your social circle for in-person can nourish you in other ways. Yeah. I think that's really important. You know, one of the things I did was also join a community where it's like with a bunch of other chronic illnesses. And it's not that you're sitting there and talking about that all day long. Like that is not what it is, folks. It's definitely, it's like you're seen from that perspective and it's a safe space for you to be like, Hey, I'm having a really hard time with X, Y, and Z. Like how do you handle it? And so then you get some really great tips around it or you need a new like recipe or whatever it may be, you know, and you learn about how you can still exist. I think one of the challenges when you first get diagnosed with chronic illness is you're so focused on everything I cannot do. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if we flip that to, well, let's make a list of everything you can do. And then that really empowers you to start defining yourself from the illness as if you're a victim to it and start looking at it as like, no, I still have control over myself. I still have an identity beyond this. This is just something that comes knocking at the door and visits. But when it does, I know exactly what to do and handle it because I have my tools in place. And so, you know, in your journey, as you started rooted in healing and you started to you mentioned that you really felt lonely, you really felt depressed. You know, you can imagine that narrative was very like, I'm not desirable. I'm not, you know, a part of this group anymore. Like, who am I? And starting to feel a little debilitated. How were you able to pull yourself out of that? Well, it took a lot of time and it all comes back to community for me. I believe that community is so healing. And so really creating this online space, connecting with other people, that's what pulled me out of it. It let me know, okay, there are other people who are experiencing this. And then, you know, before I changed my diet and my lifestyle, like I said, it was kind of my identity was the party girl. My identity was also vegan. So I kind of had to figure out other ways of being, right? I had to reshape and shift the way that I believed in myself. And it's interesting because you said, I don't want autoimmune disease to be part of my identity. And I think that's something I'm still working on hacking, right? I, you know, we have these different identities and I think we all have different sized ropes that attach us to them. You Absolutely. Know? We got to work on hacking the ones that aren't serving us anymore. And I really do believe that this is one, like that's such a great opportunity for growth for me personally is how do I disassociate with that a little bit so that it's not a narrative that I keep coming back to. So I'm curious, maybe from your perspective, how are you able to push that aside, you know, and let yourself be who you are? Yeah. You know, I think that like, for me, I can say that like I hit rock bottom about five years ago. So I got diagnosed when I was 17 and I didn't take it seriously. I was 17. Like, what do you know? What do I know? And so I didn't take it seriously. I was popping the pills, but like, I wasn't doing anything about it. And I moved to Chicago in 2016 and I had a lot of stuff happen at that point, career wise, professionally. I just, It was really stressful. And I remember having a day where I just like really hit rock bottom. And at that point I decided like, no, I'm no longer going to say that, well, I can't do this because of my thyroid. I can't do that because of my thyroid. I can't date because of my thyroid. I can't go out because of my thyroid. Like I literally was always using that. And whenever I would even have conversations with friends, you know, and we were talking about something, you're like, oh, well, I can't do that because you know, my thyroid. And so 
I really flipped that into really recognizing, well, what can I do? Like I was saying earlier, I actually started practicing Reiki. And that was a number one step that I did where it was starting to really look at myself and my body more as like, you know, you really have the mindset, the power in your mind to really heal any part of you. And I know that that sounds like, well, how, well, you know, if we think about how powerful our minds are, I always talk about this and I say like, it's kind of funny. Our minds are incredibly powerful, but incredibly foolish at the same time, because our minds are what decides the narrative and the reality that we live in. There's actually no such thing as reality because we're deciding at every moment what that means based off of, you know, the experiences that we've had and what we define that reality to be. So when I started to really flip that and it took time, right? It's rewiring that neuro pathways, but really looking at myself from a place of like, well, I'm a dancer. I love dancing. I'm going to bring that back into my life. You know, I'm a musician. Like I love being in the arts. Part of me is like being an empath and being a healer. So it's like, if I can heal others and why can I use that for myself? Mm -hmm. And I started to really look at things from a place of this hypothyroid thing is something that happened to me. Like a lot of chronic health issues is because you went through something very emotional at a younger age. And so you, you, you take on other people's, whatever the trauma may have been, you know, you take that on and now it sits with you in this psychosomatic way. And so I started to really recognize that this was something that was not part of me from birth. This was not something that was part of me because of, you know, of my bad decisions. This was something that happened. And so it's part of my narrative. It's part of my story. But as I am now, you know, being in the world, how do I want to do that? And it's like, well, I still love dancing and I love dancing to soothing music. So I'm going to continue to activate that. And the more you activate your dopamine, your serotonin, it actually releases the cortisol. And so you're then, you know, shifting that narrative again. Right. And so when I started participating in things that would make me happy, I didn't have to say, well, because of my thyroid, I just said that, well, I love this, you know, like, oh, I'm going to go for a long walk. I'm going to sit by the lake. Like I really enjoy this. So that picnic was wonderful. So I started doing a lot more of the gratitude work And that shifted the way that I saw myself and, you know, that thyroid and the idea of it went away where, yeah, would I tell someone like, Hey, you know what? I'm not able to eat that because I have an intolerance to this. And so the words that I chose made a huge difference. And instead of using words that were negative, I used positive words. Mm -hmm. And so that changed my relationship with it. And I continue to have to work on it because there are days where you're just like, I'm so effing exhausted from (laughs) having this symptom today, but I recognize like, okay, the symptom is visiting today. It's not part of permanently part of me. And when my brain, and I started to rewire that, you know, that's why I say your brain is so foolish because whatever you tell your brain to think, it's going to think that. Mm -hmm. So if you consistently practice like a muscle, when you consistently practice that gratitude and you recognize, oh, I'm starting to feel negative right now. How do I flip this? You know, that then started building my journey and detaching myself from thyroid. Words are so powerful and I don't think we give them enough credit. I agree. Absolutely. So when you're working with your clients, And they're coming to you and you're having to tell them that, you know, okay, well, here are some things from a nutritional perspective. And what are the first things that you see in them in terms of their mindset, having to shift that you Mm -hmm. work with? Because I'm sure that as they're coming to you for food and all of these other things and holistic support, 
mindset plays such a big role in them accepting these new changes in their lives. So what are those things and how are you able to walk them through that? I do a lot of guided meditation in my practice because like you mentioned, so many of us have experienced trauma in our lives that contributed to our autoimmune disease. So a lot of it has to do with self-worth, right? Or believing in our ability to care for ourselves, or we'll see this protocol of things that, you know, we are eliminating temporarily and think, oh my gosh, I can't do that. I sort of, based on where people are at, we'll work through meditations. We'll work on bringing in light, filling up your body with light, especially the organs in your body that might be getting attacked right now. We'll work on sort of channeling different messages to ourselves to change our narrative, right? And it's so funny because I do teach people these things all the time, but sometimes it's so interesting that, you know, the healer also needs to be healed, right? So it, it's just, it's, it's so interesting to reflect on that right now. But, but yeah, so a lot of meditations and one thing, inner child healing is huge. So we'll do some meditations where we imagine where are you having trouble letting go, right? And mm-hmm. people I find can identify that within their bodies and talk to it. What is this piece of you that's struggling right now? And it's so fascinating to see that everybody has the answers inside of themselves and know exactly what to tell themselves when they can kind of pull that out a little bit. That's one thing that I do with clients pretty frequently. And I tell everybody to adopt a phrase or a saying, right? And we do this by rewriting our limiting beliefs. So if someone says, there's no way that I can do this protocol, it's like, no, let's flip that. How can we re-say that in a way that it resonates in your body and feels true to you and that you can counteract that thought whenever you're feeling like this isn't something you're capable of. So in that case, it would be, this is a hard protocol. I'm never going to be able to do this. Then we could perhaps flip that to, I am strong and I'm capable. And I'm, so yeah, I think that that's kind of what we yeah. do. And you know, one thing that you noted and said earlier about how as healers, like we're still going through it. I think that's really important to note that when you have a chronic health issue, and if you are someone who doesn't, but your friend does, your family member does, and you're listening to this, you know, one of the things also is we hear it all the time. Like, well, you're strong, you're resilient. You can do this. Mm-hmm. And it's okay to also acknowledge like today's a hard day mm-hmm. and that's okay too. You know, healing our chronic health issues and being in the workforce, you know, leading a team, building an entrepreneur where you are working around the clock sometimes, you know, that is really hard. And it's okay to say that, you know, today is going to be a really challenging day for me. And that's okay because it, like you said before, it's an ever evolving, ever growing, you know, you're constantly shifting. And because chronic health is a lot to do with your hormones, you know, your hormones are changing based off of your age. And so because of that, you know, the way that your symptoms may show up may be very different than what you were experiencing earlier. Like I used to have eczema that would only show up on my neck and Mm -hmm. only show up on my arms. And now I have traveling eczema, Mm -hmm. which I never used to have before. So then it's always like, well, okay, is it this food item? Is it that food item? Is it because of stress level? Is it because of that? You know, it is a part of it, but like it becomes easier and easier. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And yeah, and I don't think anything in this life is black and white, right? So you don't have to be strong and healing all the time. You can also be soft and sad and, you know, experiencing sadness or loss or frustration. And you can be strong in those moments that you feel that way because you're giving yourself permission to do so. Right. There's, yeah, it's, it's, it's just, there's a lot of gray area. Yeah, absolutely. So as you have gone to the 
I won't say the other side, but I will say that as you have grown from, you know, that first time when you got diagnosed with this, and then you've grown into now building this coaching program and the support system for other women and other individuals who are experiencing that, what do you feel like the most rewarded around this? I recently got the most reward out of a group coaching program that I created and just the messages that people are sending that they, you know, are experiencing their symptoms are healing. They are able to wear their wedding rings for the first time, rain boots, right? It's these little things that people, you don't realize you missed someone's rain boots were so tight that they couldn't put them on. And the joy and the celebration when those fit, right? That is what feels the most rewarding to me. And also that I was able to create a program that was accessible because one thing that we see a lot in the functional and holistic health spaces are that it's, only available to a certain type of person most of the time. So being able to figure out a way to make this affordable through community healing was something that was very satisfying and and made me excited about the future of holistic healing. What about for that person who is like really new to learning about the inner child, really new to knowing and seeing like, well, does meditation really work? Like, how do you overcome those challenges as they start to work with you? Here's the thing. I'm fortunate in that my clients are usually very, very open to it. Sometimes people say, well, I can't turn off my brain. So I usually say Insight Timer is a great app that has meditations on it. They allow you to sort by how many minutes it is. Start with two minutes a day and go from there. And most people are willing to do something for at least two minutes, right? I do see some resistance to inner child work, depending on the trauma that people have experienced. So kind of need to tread lightly there. But again, I do find that most people are willing to kind of take a pause and try to go inward. Yeah. And, you know, I think that, you know, once people have started to recognize how their chronic health has impacted them, they start to become open to that part you know, you said like, you've done the work with your husband where you went to couple therapy, you know, you've had friends that you've had to let go of, or they left you and you've brought in a new safe space of community for yourself. For someone who is starting to experience that now, you know, what would you say to them in terms of them being able to release those friends or, you know, have like, I always say like, write yourself like a goodbye letter, like, Mm -hmm. you know, like just honor that part and have something to look forward to with this new journey that you have. But what would you say is really important for them to stay center about themselves so that it doesn't feel like I'm losing so much. You know, sometimes I think that is where when you have a chronic health issue, it's not about the fact that you have the health issue. It's about the sacrifices that you have to make because of it that makes you feel Mm -hmm. like this monster is now controlling everything in me. Yeah. I mean, I think we just need to look at this in some ways as a rebirth, right? And understand that what you're going through right now in this very moment is leading you somewhere. And for you, right, you're dealing with chronic health issues and your boss is not understanding and you leave and you've built this beautiful empire, right? I mean, you spoke at NASA, didn't you? (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> right? Like that's insane. And I have created this beautiful life for myself that I never imagined was possible, never in a million years. Right. And so there's so much growth in the darkness. And I think reminding yourself of that when times get tough is really important. There's hope for you. This is happening. And if we can just trust the process, even though that's very hard, I really believe that it'll lead us to something that we want and is very beautiful. I love that you use the word rebirth. 
because Mm -hmm. it really is a moment for you to evaluate for yourself, what is working, what is not. And you still have control over that because you get to determine what do I want to take into my next birth? What do I want to take with me? What is serving me? What is not serving me? And it's an opportunity for also to recognize that your body may have been screaming at you for a very long time and you weren't listening. So now it's like, all right, you're not going to listen. Then we're going to do this right now. Mm -hmm. And so for taking that opportunity, I think it's always really interesting. And I actually heard someone else talk about this with, you know, it's always a, just a great idea on an annual basis to reevaluate what's working. Like, you know, you think about you're decluttering your house, right? And it's like also thinking about decluttering your energy. You know, who are the people around you that continuously bring you down, who take more from you? versus where it feels like it's a mutual balance. And are you justifying those relationships because they've been in your life for so long? You know, it doesn't necessarily always mean that you have to cut them off. It just means that you may have them in smaller doses, but being intentional with that, because by healing your body, by keeping you as priority, it actually allows you to rebirth into this like beautiful journey ahead. And like you said, like you have built this beautiful business, you know, and that's helping empowering others. I'm working on building unapologetic women to feel like their empathy matters and it's not a kryptonite. Mm -hmm. And it really is, is that if we didn't have the experiences that we have with chronic health, we might not be doing this today. We still would have had our blinders on and just part of it, you know, part of the wheel. Yeah. I think that this shift, I think in talking to you about this, I feel like people with autoimmune disease are creating the shift and the change, right? And showing people that living a life that feels in alignment where you're healthier is possible and want that for so many more people. And I wish that you didn't have to have that rock bottom in order to find it, right? Absolutely. And I think that, you know, even when you are a friend of someone or a family member, significant other of someone who has autoimmune, the number one thing that you can do for them is just listen. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I had recently someone say to me like, well, you don't look like you have diabetes. Like that's not possible. And it's like, exactly. It's just, you know, these invisible illnesses. And it's like, it doesn't come in a specific body and shape. Again, that just really shows how society has normed that if you are a big person, then that means that you may have diabetes, but there's actually plenty of like skinny people that have diabetes, you know, there's plenty of like, I mean, if you look at Gomez, she's got lupus, right? So mm-hmm. there's plenty of individuals that doesn't matter size, shape, ethnicity, culture, background, whatever it is. And food plays such a massive role in everything. The reason I believe that chronic illness has become even more significantly prominent is because of the hormones that are being put into our food. The reason w- girls are now getting reaching puberty earlier and earlier, like nine years old Mm -hmm. is becoming the more of the average versus the early onset is because of the hormones that are being put into our foods. Mm -hmm. So, you know, is that something also that like you educate your clients around is really thinking about, you know, you may think like, well, what's the difference between organic or this, but there really is a difference. Yeah. And because I work with a population of people where I'm trying to be so mindful of socioeconomic status, I do talk about that, but we talk a lot about the clean 15 and the dirty dozen and, Mm. you know, focusing on when is there a sale? Can I buy up on organic chicken and freeze it so that I have it, you know, later down the line, if hopefully 
they're financially capable of doing that, right? It does make a difference from the products that we use on our skin every day to the food that we're consuming. Our cells are made up of the food that we're eating and the products that we're putting on can get into our bloodstream, right? And so that can cause hormonal imbalance, that can cause liver congestion, that can cause gut dysbiosis, all things that lead to autoimmune disease. So yes, I do talk about it really often, but always trying to do a standpoint of let's all do the best we can with where we're at. And even if you can only change things a little bit right now, you can still experience a level of healing. I think that's so powerful. You know, I think that one thing that we also don't recognize, and this happens with Western medicine specifically, is that everything is very like categorized, right? It's in its own compartment. So if we're talking about endocrinology, then we can't talk about cardiology. If we're talking about cardiology, we can't talk about, you know, whatever else it is. And so same thing that we don't think about like how food plays such a role in our health. But then when you talk about socioeconomically, the fact that our healthier products are made for a specific socioeconomic group. And so then again, you're creating that disparity of who is allowed to be healthy and who's not. And then you've got health insurance that again is for people who are employed, for people who are of the wealthier class. I mean, all of these things are really connected to each other. And you really start to understand it when you have a chronic health issue or if you have any other issues going on in your life, of course. So I think that's really powerful that you are able to help people regardless of socioeconomic class and show them that you may not be able to get that, but here's another way that you can still heal yourself because that's the purpose, right? Is healing and looking at it from a holistic way of all the different pieces you can like meditation is free. You don't need to pay for meditation. If you can't afford, if you're like, I can't pay for calm app or whatever, go to YouTube. There's plenty out there. So it's really powerful that you really take this Whitney and you've created not just from your own experiences, but you've let this platform now be a place where individuals can feel seen. They don't feel alone. They can experience what it means to, you know, that you're not going to be dismissed here. You're in a safe space and we can talk about all the different tools to put in your bucket. Really wonderful work that you're doing. That means so much to me. So I want to ask you two questions that I ask everyone at the end of the episode. First one I want to ask you is what would you define as the unapologetic woman? What does that mean for you? Yeah, I think the unapologetic woman is someone who is willing to set boundaries, who understands herself and her needs and is willing to say, thank you for understanding instead of constantly like feeling the need to apologize for her existence. Boundary setting is huge for me. I could not have agreed more about how important boundaries are. And who has that been for you? I think it's my sister. And it's interesting because when she became a mom, I felt her boundaries get so much stronger. And at first I was very off put by them. And now that I'm a mom, I see and understand the reason why she was setting those boundaries. And she was completely unapologetic in that boundary setting. And I'm trying to model her in the way that I am parenting and just showing up for my community and things like that. That's amazing. I always say that you don't necessarily need to look at a far celebrity in order to 
really see someone who shows you and displays for you, like what it is that you want to be. A lot of times it's just within our own families. It's within our own community. And that's a, one of the biggest things about being an unapologetic woman that I would say is that being unapologetic does not mean that you have, you know, millions and millions of followers. It just means that you're using your platform to do good, to set great intentions and really help other people rise above their circumstances. And that's what you do. And so I see you as an unapologetic woman. Thank you. That means so much to me. I really appreciate it. I'm blushing. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, I would love for everyone to really know how can they connect with you? What do you have going on? You know, that they can, if they need to reach out to you, where can they do that? And what are some offers that you have going on right now? Yeah. So the best place to find me is at Instagram on, on Instagram. So my Instagram handle is rooted.in.healing. And I'm happy to chat with anybody about autoimmune disease or whatever it is that you have questions about. And then I recently created an online group coaching program that has just been so wonderful and so healing and it's affordable. You get access to a holistic practitioner for an entire year. And the cost is just so much better than it is to work with somebody one-on-one and you still get the healing tools that you need in order to get better. So yeah, it's a mind, body, spirit approach. And I would love to have anybody who needs that. Fantastic. Thank you everyone. And go follow Whitney right now on Instagram, join that Facebook group. I can assure you that if you are feeling alone with chronic health, you don't need to feel that way ever again. Like it's a really powerful feeling to have community. And that's exactly what Whitney's building. So thank you, Whitney, for being part of this today. Yeah. Thanks for having me. And thanks everybody who listened. Thanks for listening to the unapologetic woman. If you like what you heard today, then please subscribe. So you'll get real time updates when I post a new episode. And if you really believe that others should be hearing this, then leave a rating or review this episode so others can find it too. And if there's something you'd really love for me to cover or highlight, then head over to my Instagram account at Pileberry. DM me to let me know. I'm all ears. If you want free resources, practical tips, and inspirational stories that I share with my clients, visit Pileberry.com and subscribe to my newsletter. You'll get them all. Until then, Take a moment to celebrate your journey, reflect, and be ready to embrace your next epiphany.